having an agriculture program, to me, is putting, putting us back on the map, um, bringing products from Sapelo to the mainland, bringing plants back, crops back, that we've done for generations, uh, which is part of our heritage. So all this connection to me is helping us keep our community alive. So our story goes on with our crop, and that's part of, of keeping our heritage going. There's an island south of Savannah that is home to the last intact Gullah Geechee community in the Sea Islands of Georgia, and is comprised of direct descendants of slaves that were brought here in 1802. This episode is about the revitalization of an African community that has existed in Georgia for more than 200 years. I came from the mud, desert on my hands, strong like a tree, there's roots where I stand. I'm David Zelski, and this is the Fork in the Road podcast, featuring the stories of Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Today, we're talking to Maurice Bailey and Dr. Nick Hainan. Maurice is the director of the Sapelo Island Cultural Revitalization Society, or SICARS, and is also a resident. Uh, I grew up with Shilking. So we all had our Shilking patch. We all went down to Allen Green to ground our Shilking. Uh, as kids, you know, we helped them get the firewood. Uh, they produced the, the syrup. We're sitting there eating cornbread and hot biscuit at the women cooking down the syrup in uh, the man's grind the sugar cane. Dr. Nick is a professor of geography at UGA, and he's co-director of the Cornelia Walker Bailey program on land and agriculture. So I was recruited to come here initially uh, by Dr. Merrill Alber, who's the director of UGA's Marine Institute, uh, recognized that there had been too little interaction between the community and the university. I want to paint a picture of where we are. Sapelo Island is a barrier island just off the Georgia coast. As a part of McIntosh County, it lies about 60 miles south of Savannah and 40 miles north of Brunswick. The island is 12 miles long and 3.1 miles wide. 97% of Sapelo Island is owned by the state of Georgia and managed by the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. In fact, it is illegal to visit the island without a permit issued by state tourism authorities. The residents that live here are in the small community of Hog Hammock. Sapelo has a rich history of agriculture, and today we will learn how Maurice, Dr. Nick, and the Sapelo Island Cultural Revitalization Society are helping to reestablish crops on Sapelo Island that they hope will enable the future for the Gullah Geechee people. So I, I grew up with the children here, I grew up with the ray peas, I grew up with the sweet potato. I grew up with all the natural herbs because we didn't have uh, medicine, we didn't have doctors available. It was a way of surviving. We had to do it to survive because uh, there was no going to the grocery stores. He's right. There's no running to the grocery store on Sapelo Island. While there is a small general store now, the closest Walmart or Publix or anything else is a 30-minute ferry ride that is only offered three times a day and just twice on Sundays. So the, to me, the crops are very important. And it is something I want to pass along. I don't want to forget about. I don't want to let this part of our heritage go, because once it's gone, it's, it's not going to come back. And passing along this heritage is exactly why Sycars is here. Let's now hear from Dr. Nick to find out how he got involved. I never, I never knew anything about this place and came and eventually reached out to 
someone named Jasper Watts who said he wouldn't talk to me until I had the blessings uh, from Miss Cornelia. Uh, and so I went and knocked on her door and she told me she didn't have time to talk to me. So the next trip I did that again, I did that. It took me a couple months to, to get in to talk to her. Finally, when I got in and started sitting in her kitchen and, and asking the question, how could UGA be a better partner? What could we do? She brought me into the history of SICARS and previous efforts to get agriculture going and asked if I would help do that. And I said, yes. And it wasn't only Nick and UGA bringing this agriculture program to life. A lot of help was offered. Uh, the state, the DNR, uh, Fred Hay, Signer, uh, Doug Sampson, they both offered support at various stages, and Maurice's brother. Uh, Stanley Walker, he has a knowledge of the island that we oftentimes kind of draw upon and, and ask him questions about things. Fun uh, nerding out together. That, that, when he said the nerd, no, that's, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's that's Nick. The, the nerding out, that's, yeah. true. But but we learn from each other, yeah, so absolutely. we able to use each other's strength to keep this project going. And he has knowledge I don't have, and I have knowledge he don't have, and we just put the two together, and it's a it's a good combination. Yeah, yeah. But he do be nerding out though. It sounds like they're having a good time nerding out while also preserving agricultural history. So we know the crops are important, but exactly which crops and why? Well, what we have now is the, the red peas is still a, a great seller. Um, we hope to, to increase that next year. The sugarcane is going to be one of our biggest crops, probably bigger than red peas. Uh, and we try to plant crops that it doesn't take a lot of maintenance for uh, that it pretty much take care of themselves. Because once again, we face with that labor pool um, to maintain a lot of crops. So the red peas, the sugarcane, the garlic that we're getting into, uh, the indigo uh, that we're starting getting to, uh, these are the crops that we th we think. And also have a market for it. It bring you bring you yield more for these crops than the other crops. So we ch we chose these crops also because we can easier to manage and we can yield more from these crops once we, we harvest them. Agriculture takes a lot of care and science. So let's take a look at Maurice's process of harvesting red peas. So Maurice, when are they planted? It depends on the weather. We could, we could start in a February, March, we could plant them, and it only take like three days for them to come up. So if we plant in a timely manner, we can get like three crops in the red peas every year. We usually pick it by hand a lot of time. We pick all the dead ones out. The light colored ones we pick out because if you leave these in and replant, it's going to start turning all of them this color. And we want the true red peas. So these have to go. Over the last three years, we have managed to almost eliminate all the clay colored peas from the red peas. After I wash them and dry them a little bit, I actually put them in the oven for a few minutes and often, often will kill the, the gross cell. So then you take it off, take it out, often let it cool, and you package it. It doesn't hurt it at all, except for it will not reproduce. So it's kind of our way of keeping our crop, you know, traditional crop. What can so, you do with red peas? Well, mostly in this area, we like to make Hoppin' John. So for New Year's, everybody want red peas for Hoppin' John. So we probably got another three containers like this. And so as, 
Thanksgiving and New Year's coming around, and people gonna say, y'all got any red peas? We want some red peas, because everybody wanna make a Hoppin' John with it. Uh, you can cook it by itself, just some peas by itself, or we cook it with rice mostly, so that's the traditional thing. So what is Hoppin' John's? Hoppin' John's originated from the Gola people and was a low country one pot dish before spreading to the entire population of the South. Hoppin' John's, also known as Carolina Peas and Rice, is a peas and rice dish served traditionally, eaten on New Year's Day, thought to bring a prosperous year filled with luck. Hoppin' John's may have evolved from rice and bean mixtures that were the sustenance of enslaved West Africans en route to the Americas. All right, now back to Maurice. So far, people starting to recognize that we're doing something great. Uh, initially, they just saw a bunch of people out here pulling weeds and cutting trees, so they didn't see which direction it was going. We knew which direction it was going. We knew how it could grow and become a strength for the community. Uh, so, so now that we're finally getting some fields that are visible, now that people are aware of what we're doing, uh, I, I think we're on a, on a great path to be successful in all our, our effort over the last three years, four years that we was, we was working on, on this. And so I think it'd be a great strength for sidecars in the community to have the agriculture program up and running at full capacity over the next two years. That's our goal over the next two years, that this program be to full capacity, um, that we actually to the point that we employing people and that's part of having an agriculture program to employing people from Sapelo, um, whether they will remain on Sapelo on the land or they won't come back to Sapelo. So this project will provide jobs in, in the near future, and that's just one of the goals that we're trying to do. Reviving history, sustaining a community, and providing jobs, it seems like they have great plans to steadily grow their market. One of those markets is the products made from a popular crop, sugarcane. And to make the tasty products from sugarcane, you need to grind it, which Maurice couldn't initially do on the island. But this is a picture from last year, cane grinding, that we had to take our cane grinding off the island to get it ground. Uh, these some of the volunteers from Davidson College to help us grind. It was really like a two-day process of grinding what sugarcane that we had, so we're still hoping to be able to produce it on Sapo this year. Uh, we had a grinder that we're going to establish the next couple of weeks and make this process a little easier. But it's a very nice picture of last year grinding. Still by hand, so we still do the old fashioned where we sticking the cane through there and it presses it, the juice comes out, you screen it into a 55 gallon food grade drum, then carry it over there and cook it down. Yeah, last year crops, we just gave to the community members, our residents, because we want them to taste our first year of syrup on Sapelo for many years. So everybody loved the syrup. Uh, it was very sweet. We got a lot of positive things back from the syrup. So we know that we got a good product. So this year, now we're gonna market it off island to individual um, farmer's market that's asking for it, restaurants asking for it. So we already have a market for this product. We just gotta get it off the island. Think about this. Sapelo Island is only accessible by a 30-minute ferry ride that is only offered three times a day and twice on Sundays. That means when they are moving products, it takes a lot of planning, loading, and ferry trips. Needless to say, there's a lot of work involved. However, there is a little magic on their side. 
During my time with Dr. Nick and Maurice, we came across an herb that is used for tea and seems to cure whatever ails you. Life Everlasting Tea uh, is a herbal tea that we still drink on the island. It will be good for any kind of illness you have. Arthritis, colds, fever, this headache. Right here. It was pretty neat to come uh, across the Life ever Everlasting. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. Why was that special? Life of Lasting was is a miracle plant that we was using olive for a long time. Uh, if you had any kind of illness, Life of Lasting cured it. And always a little Life of Lasting with a little moonshine. That's how you drink it. Um, sometimes with a little honey, and you drink that tea, you sweat all night, and the next day you will feel better. So Life of Lasting tea is, is a tea that everybody still wants. Everybody still have them in the house on Sapporo. They're not going to probably tell you about it, but everybody got a little twig in the corner somewhere. So when they're sick, they got a little life of lasting. You wouldn't buy life everlasting. Oh, a lot of people love it. Yeah, if you, if you Google yeah. it, it's like crazy. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. A it's, it's a, it's a market. depend on it for their whole kind of healthcare system. Every process is carefully crafted to not only help preserve the agriculture, but to also preserve and carry on the heritage of the people who live on Sapelo Island. I mean, I say, you know, one of the early things that I was paying attention to was the land loss from descendants in the community. There have been a lot of off-island wealthy folks starting to develop parcels. And I think back to what Reese was saying about the crops being the face of the community, I think having, having that land in agriculture and hoping to preserve it so it doesn't get developed and so Sapla doesn't end up like Jekyll or, you know, uh, or a whole lot of other places that just are different. Uh, it feels like an important goal uh, for me, personally. Having an agriculture program, to me, is putting, a, putting us back on the map, uh, bringing products from Sapelo to the mainland, bringing plants back, crops back that we've done for generations, uh, which is part of our heritage. So all this connection, to me, is helping us keep our community alive um, so our product, that be our face of the Geechee people now. We don't have the numbers, but we can have a product and say, this is from Sapo. Red pea, sugar cane, Hoppin' John, syrup, and life everlasting. That sounds like a lot. But that is not all that's happening on Sapelo Island. Maurice and Dr. Nick are also working with another potential cash crop. From a green plant to a blue dye. All natural. We'll learn more about their work with Indigo next week in part two of this episode on Sapelo Island. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, there's plenty more content just like it. You can watch A Fork in the Road on GPB TV or anytime on the gpb.org website. gpb.org slash podcast is where you can listen to and subscribe to this podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. I'm David Zelsky. Thanks for listening to A Fork in the Road. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.